Hey everyone, welcome to the Promise Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to like us and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at My Promise Church. And to see what else is going on around here at Promise, please visit us at mypromisechurch.com. We hope this message you're about to listen to ministers to you and changes your life. Enjoy. stay here through the month of June um, in 2 Peter 2. And we went through, if you weren't with us last week, I encourage you to catch up on the podcast because it really set the table for this message series. How many believe that God has not called you to fit in, but he's called you out? He's called you to stand out, not just to fit in. And that's my heart this month as I uh, share this with you. And I'm going to use uh, 1 Peter 2 and 9. It said, but you are a chosen generation. Read it with me, church. I just feel an anointing when the church reads it. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him. Read that one more time. Called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Tell somebody around you, stand out, stand up, stand out. You can be seated. You can be seated. I see Brother Vernon there. Stand up, stand out. Um, I, it, it's interesting to me because, and if you were with me last week, just let, allow me this runway for those that may... Uh, not have been with us, just allow me a little runway here. Sometimes in a series, I like to just lay the groundwork. But uh, fitting in is what most people want to do. Uh, just being normal is actually what most people want to do. They, they strive for the usual, the typical, just kind of the expected norm of life. It's, it's actually, it's an odd thing to think about. It's interesting, but most people just kind of hope to fit in. Yeah. And, and I said this last week, but again, I just want to lay the groundwork. I think even sometimes as parents, we put that on our kids. It's like we scream at them sometimes, can you just be normal? Like, can you stop eating with your hands? Everybody else in the restaurant is using a fork. Please, be normal. We just we put that on our kids sometimes, and then as our kids get older, they put that back on the parents and say, Dad, my friends are coming over. Can you just act normal? But what happens is we begin to judge our own lives by the norm of the world instead of the standard of God's book. I'll say that one more time. What happens is we begin to judge ourselves by the normalities of this world instead of the standard of what God has called us up out of and out of darkness and into his light. I'll tell you, God has called you to greater things. And if we don't realize that, we say things like, well, you, you know, most people have a bad marriage and so I can't be that bad off. Yeah. Most people's families is dysfunctional, so mine is as well. Well, most guys at work, they talk like this, and they go here, and they do these things. And, and so, I, I, Pastor, I'm not that much different than all the other guys at work. And, 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 and you know, come on, you know, I, I, all the guys and all the girls, when we go to college, it, it, you know, they do this and go there, get a little wayward from the things of God. And we should say, no, 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 no. That's right. come 
God's called us out of some things. God's called us up from some things. And, and say, you know what? I, I know I'm not perfect. I, I'm not better than. He's just called me to be different than. Because we're all equal at the foot of the cross. But God, so I'm not better than anybody else. But God's called me to be different than everybody else. And, and so I know me and my wife aren't perfect, but we're going to show the love of Christ. I, I know money's tight, but I'm still blessed to be a blessing. So I'm going to honor the Lord, and I'm going to trust Him. I'm going to work hard. And I know my kids aren't perfect, and I know they're going to mess up, and I know they're going to make mistakes, but by faith, my kids are going to be strong in their generation. By faith, my kids are going to be courageous in their day, and they're not going to drift from the good things and the God things that I put in their life. And if they do, I'm going to pray them back. I'm going to bring them back. I'm going to call them back and just trust that God's blessing, His anointing, His protection is on our home. And and so I I don't ever want to slip into a place where I just judge myself based on what all the other people do in my neighborhood. Because the Bible says says itself, it's like a mirror. And, and, and it's what I can be. It's what I should be. And, and I, just, I just maybe back up for a minute and tell you today, what if I told you that fitting in is actually a trap? It's actually, you're just in darkness. It, it, it's a trap. And God's called you to be better than normal. He's called you not to fit in, but to stand out. And so my goal in this message series is to convince you that you were not born to fit in, but you were born to be called out. Tell your neighbor, stand out. Stand out. All right, I feel it in the house. So I, I just, you know, it says you, God, we don't even have to get through the first or second chapter. It tells us that God made you in his image. He made you unique, special kind of person. He has called you to be who you are. He's called you where you are, and he's called you for such a time as this. Because God has special assignments on your life. Or like we just read, the Bible word is a calling on your life. And your overall assignment is to glorify God with your life. It's to serve God, to serve God's house, to serve God's people. And you might say, I don't want to be different. You might cringe at the idea of being different. You might have those shaky knees and stage fright. And I just want to fit in. I don't want to be called out of the shadows and into the spotlight. But God's called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And I just think about this. If the norm is so good, why isn't it working? Why so many marriages end in divorce? Why so much financial pressure? Why so much confusion in our world today? Why there's so many people hurting? I just tell you, God has called you out of all of that darkness and into his marvelous light. How many say amen to that? All right, enough of a runway. I I, want to give you a few things today. I, I just want to remind you that God has called you. And you say, well, I I don't have a preaching, that's okay, God's called you. Well, you say, I can't sing, that's all right, but God has called you to an assignment. Well, you say, well, I'm not, that's all right, God's called you. (laughs) I want to tell you about somebody that wanted to just be in the shadows, 
and he was, he was hesitant, but God called him out of the shadows and into the marvelous light. And in fact, the Bible's full of people that, that, that when God came to them with an assignment, a plan, a purpose, they responded with excuses and say, no, 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 I just want to retreat into the shadow. I, I, I know God, not me, not here, not now. And the guy's name I want to tell you about is Moses. He was hiding out in the desert. He'd retreated. That bush catches fire. It was the Spirit of God. And the Bible said that bush was not consumed. And the voice of the Lord came from the bush. And you can imagine Moses trembling, his knees shaking. And God says, I've chosen you to lead my people out of bondage and into the promised land. And Moses says, who am I to do that? He says, they're going to question me. Who are you to do this? And God says, I'm calling you. And Moses begins to tell the Lord, don't you know about my past? The reason I'm running from some things. And God says, I'm not so concerned about where you've been. I'm concerned about where you're going. And he said, but they're going to question me. And they're going to say, how do we know that God sent you? And he says, you just tell them with authority, let my people go. And he said, but who's going to tell them who sent me? And he said, the I am that I am sent you. <laughs> and he says, but God, don't you know I stutter? Like, 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 like God, 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 I've got this, this, this thing where I really am not, not a great speaker. And God says, I made your mouth. Don't you think I know? <laughs> And he's throwing out all these excuses that, God, I, I got a past. I've made mistakes. I'm running from some things. I can't lead. I can't speak. I stutter. And Moses is saying, I'm not the one, and it can't be here, and it can't be now. And God turns it around on him and says, in spite of your past, I know where you've come from. But if you'll let me shape you, if you'll let me be speak through you, I don't care if you stutter, if you let me speak through you. I don't care where you've been, if you let me lead you into where you're going. God said, I know your gifting, I know your assignment, I know your purpose, I know your flaws, but if you'll just be a willing vessel, I'll take care of the rest. Somebody ought to say amen to that. Amen. He wanted to be in the shadows. God says, no, I want you in the spotlight. I thought about Gideon. He shrunk into the cave, into the shadows, hiding in a time that the nation needed a great leader. The Bible says the angel of the Lord came to Gideon and said, Gideon, you are a mighty man of valor. He said something interesting. He said, the people need you. God's people need you. Get up. Gideon's excuse was, I'm not the right guy. I'm from the smallest and most insignificant tribe. He said, I'm poor. I don't have anything. He said, I'm the least of my brethren. He's just throwing out all these excuses to God as to why he couldn't be the guy. And, 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 and God turns it around on him. And the angel of the Lord feeds him. And, and the motivation of Gideon to feed this angel is so that he will just leave and accept the excuse, like, I I'm not doing this. And the Bible says that fire shot out of the rock and zapped the meal. You, you have to think about this. He wasn't trying to be a great host. It was like, angel, here's some food, and when you finish, wash the dishes, 
and, and go your way. It, it really wasn't like, he wasn't really trying to be nice there. It was a way to get him out the door. And the power of God zaps the meal. <laughs> Think about that. And the angel says, go in this power. Go in this strength. Now all of a sudden, all of Gideon's excuses melt away because it's not by my might or by my power, but it's by his spirit. It's by his strength. And now all of a sudden, Gideon gets down there with 300 men and defeats the army without even swinging a sword. And he realizes it's God's power working through me. Moses realized it's God's power working in me. It's God's hand. On, Gideon said, it was God's hand on me. Whew. What if we realized God's hand is on me? The psalmist said in Psalm 138, the Lord has laid his hand on me. What if somebody would leave this place today with that kind of faith that said God's hand is on me? The hand that parted the Red Sea. The hand that touched Jacob's hip. The hand that knocked down the walls of Jericho. The hand that was on David's hand when he slung the slingshot. The hand that opened up blinded eyes. The hand that unlocked deaf ears. The hand that multiplied the fish and the bread. The hands that were crucified to that cross. The hand of God. Somebody ought to get it today. The hand of God is on you. The hand of God is on your family. The hand of God is on your home. The hand of God is on your business. What? Why are we worried if God's hand is on you? Somebody ought to say amen. Here's what happens is too many times, like Moses, it's like, God, you don't know what's in my, the skeletons in my closet, so to speak. You don't know about the, the well, you do, but nobody else knows uh, about those things. And, 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 but if they ever found out, and so many times we let our past but I feel like I remember Brother Oz, and it's his 87th birthday today. I love Brother Oz there. I, 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 feel, I feel like I remember where the Lord said, I've removed your iniquity as far as the east is from the west. And God said, I've chosen not to remember any longer. And so if God's gotten past it and he's forgotten it, I just feel like it's the enemy hanging it over your head. Moses said, you don't know what I've done. God says, I just need a yes. I just need a release. I just need a willing vessel. Because Moses is saying, you can't be calling me. You know what's in my past. I thought about how we live in Orlando. How many live in the area here, right? I thought about Walt Disney, how he went bankrupt. He had a mental breakdown. He created a successful cartoon character called Oswald the Rabbit that he lost the rights to. But he didn't let his past dictate his future. Henry Ford forgot to put reverse in the Model T. But he didn't let his past dictate his future. Thomas Edison spent two million dollars on failed light bulbs before he got one to work 
but he didn't let his past dictate his future. Abraham Lincoln had a difficult childhood moving from state to state. He had less than one year of formal school training. He failed in business in 1831. He was defeated for state legislator in 1832. He had another bankrupt business in 1833. His fiance died in 35. He was defeated for state speaker in 38. He was defeated for state elector in 1840. He was defeated for Congress, I'm not making this up, in 1843. He was elected to Congress in 46 only to be voted out after one term. He was defeated for Senate in 55, defeated for VP in 56, defeated again for Senate in 58, tragically buried three of his four sons before they reached the age of 18. But he realized, the country needs me right now. And he threw his hat in the ring for the presidential election of 1864. He won, served two terms, and became possibly the greatest president in the history of our nation because he did not let his past dictate the calling on his life. I want to tell somebody, don't let your past be an excuse for what God has. Somebody ought to say amen for your life. The second thing I want to give you is, is God. Sometimes I talk to so many people, they say, let me just get a little further down the road. Let me get into a better place. Hey, haven't seen you in church. How's it going? Well... I just got to get a little bit down the road and I'll be back. But I want to tell you, God's called you right here. He's called you. But he's also called you right here, right where you are. There was a famine that struck God's people in Genesis chapter 26. The Bible said that Isaac was in that famine. His, his animals were dying. His servants were starving and and people were saying, this land is cursed, we got to get out of here. But remember, this was the promised land that God had given to Abraham. And, and, and even though the famine had hit the land, people started to call the land cursed, even though it was the promised land of God. And it was only the second generation of that promise, and yet people were coming to Isaac and saying, you know, we, we got to get out of here. But God says to Isaac, don't leave the place I've called you to. And I know that there can be hard seasons in life. I know that there can be hard winter seasons. And it looks like dreams are dying. But God was telling his people, I've called you right there. And don't leave what I've promised you because I will never leave you and I'll never forsake you. And so sometimes we disqualify God by saying it can't be here. And we run from the place that God has called us to. And I just want to verify that everybody goes through hard seasons. And in those times we start to say, well, the grass must be greener on the other side. But I want to remind you today, if God has called you there, don't leave you from where you've been called. So many people want to jump to another business, jump to another family, jump out of a marriage, jump into another marriage, just because it's been a hard season. But I got to remind you that the grass is green where you water it. 
And if God has placed you there, God can provide for you there. And so in a famine season, the enemy will tell you that serving God is the source of your problem. That your calling has made your life hard. And if you'll just walk away from the church, if you'll just walk away from the calling, if you'll just walk away from the ministry, that there's a greener pasture on the other side. But I'll tell you, that's what the snake told Eve. God's hiding something good from you. There's a better fruit than what God's given you right now. Well, guess what? When they got kicked out of the garden, they realized we had it pretty good where we were. And so Isaac just got it in his spirit, no matter what happens, I'm not living, leaving the land that God has given me. He gave it to my dad, and I'm not looking at other pastures, I'm watering the pasture that God has put me in. And so he said, if I'm going to water the, the, the pastures, I've got to dig up some wells. And he realized, he remembered that his dad had dug some wells in that area. And so what he did was he went and dug up some wells. You say, what's the significance of that? There was a former time when someone dug and they struck what they were looking for. And in your life, sometimes you've got to revisit some old victories some old blessings, some old testimonies, and say, I remember when I was digging in prayer and God answered that prayer. It's time to dig up that well and get a fresh joy and a fresh anointing and a fresh vision and a fresh purpose. And I, I can draw from that victory. And I'm going to go over here and dig a well. And I remember when I was stressed out. And I remember what the doctor said. But I kept digging in prayer. I remember I was fasting. And I remember I, there was a breakthrough. And water flowed. And I'm going back to dig that well. And I'm digging that well. And all of a sudden, joy springs up and you say, God's been so good to me. And all of a sudden my pasture, it feels green again because I'm digging up some old wells. God is faithful and he's never left me and he's never forsaken me. And if you know that story, Isaac began to dig up those old wells and the Philistines, this is what the enemy does. They buried the well. They poured dirt over the well and, and, and they came over here and they poured dirt on that well. But that didn't deter Isaac either. He wasn't going to let the enemy drive him out. So guess what he did? He dug it back up. And then he found another one. Dug it back up. Dug this one back up. Dug this one back up. And here's what I love. God has so many victories in your past. So many testimonies from God's people. I'll tell you, it don't even have to be my testimony. I can get blessed by Jake's testimony. I can get blessed by Vanessa's testimony. I can get blessed by Ken's testimony. Remember, it was his father's well. I can be blessed by what Bobby was telling me, some, some testimonies of his father-in-law. I can be blessed by my father's testimony, my father's father's testimony, my brother's testimony, my sister's testimony. And guess what? The enemy gave up because there was too many wells and they said, we keep burying these wells, and he finds another one. Somebody ought to say, you can't take my joy, devil. God's done so much for me. I cannot tell it all. But if you try to mess that one up, there's another one over here. Somebody ought to say amen to that. God's done so much for me. I cannot tell it all. There's another victory. There's another well. There's another testimony. There's another joy. There's another healing. There's another salvation. 
I can't tell you about it all. Somebody ought to get, somebody ought to get blessed by that today. So he named, after the Philistines left, I love this. He said, there's got to be one more that's from just me. So he dug up one more, named it Rehoboth, which means a spatial place of fruitfulness. What I want to tell you is that God has already provided wells under your feet. He's already provided what you need right where you are. And so there's no reason for God's people to walk away, no reason for God's people to retreat, because God has given you everything you need right where he planted you. And so somebody ought to tell the enemy, God's placed me right where I'm at. He's provided right what I need in the place that he's planted me. So I'm going to keep digging. I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep trusting. I'm going to keep praying because God has good things for me. I, I like what Nehemiah said when that faithless pessimist Sanballat came to him and said, come down off of that wall. He had a trowel in one hand, a sword in the other. And he says, you can't accomplish rebuilding that wall. And Nehemiah said, shall such a man as I flee? I'm not going nowhere. This is God's house. This is, he, I'm rebuilding God's house. I'm rebuilding God's city. And I'm not going anywhere because God told me to build this wall. He said, shall, shall such a man as I flee? I remember God had Moses' generation in the wilderness, and for some reason the enemy had them so messed up, they thought the grass was greener back in Egypt. They said, Moses, we had sweet things to eat in Egypt. And like Moses was saying, yeah, but you were chained to the wall. <laughs> like, <laughs> you were a slave. I mean, what, what are you talking about here? They were only a few days removed from the miracle of the Red Sea, and they were ready to go back because they didn't know where water and food was coming from. And so Moses says, you know what? We're just going to sing in a dry place. We don't have water, but we're going to praise God like we do. <laughs> right? And so he calls the Levite choir. I love choirs. We got a choir life group that was on fire a few weeks ago. Yeah, this is Ruthie. And so, so if you don't, I think if you're the pastor, you don't know what to do. It's like, let's just call the choir up. Yeah, like it's a dry service. Let's just bring the choir up. Let's have them sing. <laughs> just break through here. This is what Moses does, and they're out in the desert, and he says, let's just begin to sing. And they sing this song called Spring Up, Oh Well. I don't know the medley or the tune to it, but folks have tried to modernize that song, Spring Up, Oh Well, Spring Up, Oh Well. I don't know if there was verses to it or if that was the whole chorus, but they just began to sing to the sand, Spring Up, Oh Well. You know, sometimes you got to sing to the desert, spring up, oh well. Sometimes you got to sing to a valley, spring up, oh well. Sometimes you got to sing to a mountain, be moved in Jesus' name. And there was no well, there was no water. But Moses said, let's just begin to sing in faith, spring up, oh well. And as they were singing, I felt like at the beginning, it's like, this is crazy. Spring up a well. There's no well out here. It's a desert. Moses, what are you talking about? And the Bible says they, they were singing spring up a well. 
But here's where it, here's where it turned. This is what I love about God's people. And there's always got to be one of these guys in every church, one of these gals maybe, that just gets it kick-started. Yeah. It said one of the priests started tapping his staff on the sand. I don't know if he's just keeping beat. Spring up, oh well. Spring up, oh well. He starts tapping his, his staff. And, and it's like he got a little more motivated. All right. Woo. He's feeling the presence. Woo. And he's like, all right. And it said more of them started slamming their staff into the ground. And, and now it's like there's this dusty haze of desert. And it's like, man, I was thirsty. Now I'm coughing because you're kicking up so much dust. <laughs> Trying to sing, spring up a well. Now I'm inhaling dust, you know. But they didn't stop. And they're just pounding that staff into the ground. And one of the guys get it stuck, and it's almost like it's muddy. Tip of that staff now is kind of stuck in the ground. It's kind of muddy now. It's not just dry sand. He pulls it out. Water comes out from where, the, where it was stuck in the ground. And all of a sudden, they're singing, spring up a well. The other priest is doing this. The other priest is doing this. All of a sudden, it became a prophecy fulfilled by the choir. And all of a sudden, there was water in the desert. I want to tell you, sometimes you just got to keep singing. You just got to keep praying. You just got to keep believing. But God has provided right under your feet. Somebody ought to say amen. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. How much time do I got left? You know, there, there was uh, the president of the United States in 1901. It was William McKinley. He was shot at the Pan Am Exposition in Buffalo, New York. Uh, he was heavy set, and he was elderly at that point. And he was shot two times. He was in no shape to take this kind of wound. But they rushed him to the first aid tent, and they began to operate on him. They found one of the bullets quickly, but they could not find the second one. After time went by, they were forced to sew him back up because of blood loss. And they knew that it was only a matter of time before he would die because infection would set in from that bullet. He did die exactly seven days later. President of the United States, William McKinley, was assassinated. Unknown to the doctors, this is amazing, operating on him in that tent is there was another tent just down the road at that exposition from the book I read just feet away that had the first functioning x-ray machine. And if they had taken him to that tent, they could have found the other bullet and saved his life if they would have realized what they had in their hand right where they were. What I'm trying to tell you is we offer God too many excuses. It can't be me because I stutter. Yes, Moses, I want to use you. It can't be here because I'm not equipped. Moses, what's in your hand? I just have a staff. Tap it on the ground, Moses. Water will spring forth. Raise it up over the Red Sea, Moses. You'll see the Egyptians no more. Lift up the staff in the desert, Moses. And everybody that looks on it will be healed. I want to tell you, God is a good God. He does all things well. He goes before you. He's beside you. He's behind you. He's equipped you. He has called you. He is 
for you. And if God is for you, who can be against you? Somebody ought to say amen. amen. All right, all right, all right. I, um, last thing I want to tell you is he's called you here. He's called you now. Third excuse we give God is, I just want to fit in. Let me get a decade down the road. As, as somebody that, that felt a calling of God in my teenage years, it was like, God, I just want to fit in in high school. Let's deal with this when I'm 25. I just want to fit in right now. But how many know the Bible says today is the day the Lord has made? Today is the day of salvation. No man is even promised tomorrow. Ecclesiastes said that a living dog is better than a dead lion. Somebody finished that for me. I love that. That's an obscure passage. That means that as powerful as a lion is, if he's dead, it's a lost opportunity. Realize that your opportunity is now. I'd rather be a living dog than a dead lion because it's over for him. And the devil wants you always looking down the road, living in the someday. Someday, I'm going to get my life right. Someday, I'm going to get past this trap of sin. Someday, I'll get my marriage right. Someday, I'll make time for my kids. Someday, I'll be a better husband. Someday, I'll be a better father. Someday, I'll get a prayer life. Someday, I'll read the Bible. Someday, I'll serve in church. Someday, I'll join a life group. Someday, I'll be faithful to church. Someday, before I die... I'll get right with God on a deathbed confessional. But you know what? The enemy of your soul and your flesh will agree with you if you say, next Sunday I'll go to the altar. The enemy will say, yeah, 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 next Sunday, Sister Marie, ne ne next Sunday. Next Sunday, uh, uh, yeah, 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 next Sunday. Yeah, 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 good idea. Next Sunday. Your flesh will tell you, yeah, 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 next Sunday. The enemy will say, yeah, 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 next Sunday. But just don't do it today. I want to remind you there is unlimited grace, but it's for a limited time. Whosoever will, let him take of the river of life freely. Noah preached for 120 years, but there came a day that God shut the door that no man could open. Even if Noah was on the inside putting his shoulder into it, God shut the door. So we've got life today. We've got grace today. We've got mercy today. We've got breath in our lungs today. We have strength to serve him today. You have an opportunity today, but you won't have it for always. Israel refused to march into the promised land because they listened to the faithless spies over Joshua and Caleb who had the faith to say, yes, there's giants, but there's giant fruit, giant blessings, and our God is bigger and greater than the giants. But Israel sided with the faithless spies that said, not now. They said, not now. 24 hours later, they changed their mind and they said, okay. Let's go in the promised land. But God said, no, you're too late, Bobby. You're 24 hours late. You staggered, the King James said, you staggered at the promise, and I already chose Joshua's generation to do it now. They missed it by 24 hours. They staggered at the promise. 
How many times do we miss out on what God wants to do? And he says, I'll call somebody else. I'll call another generation. I'll call another sister. I'll call another brother. I'll call somebody else. But for right now, that calling is on you. But they missed it. Bible said that Mary at Lazarus' tomb, when Jesus arrived, she said, if you'd only been here when he was alive, I know you could have healed him. In other words, she had mountains of faith in the past, but none in the present. And her sister Martha speaks up and says, yeah, okay, I know he'll live again someday in the resurrection. So you have one sister with faith in the Lord for yesterday. And there's sisters and brothers in the church that have faith for what God could have done in 1972. And then there's other folks in the church that say, yes, someday. You know, there's faith in tomorrow. But Jesus looked at him and said, I am the resurrection. Present tense, I am the resurrection. Yes, yesterday I'm a healer. Yesterday, today, and forever. Yes, in the future there's a day of salvation. But in the yesterday and forever, don't miss the today. I am the resurrection. And he said, Lazarus, come out of the grave. Don't hold your faith for tomorrow. Don't, wreck it. don't, don't leave your faith in the past because God can do it right now. Music come. I got to close today. That same woman, Mary of Bethany, she learned the power of the right now from that miracle. I, I, I just feel, and I love this right here because I just had never connected it so much in my brain till this week. You know how you do that sometimes? Like you know it, but you don't really know it. And I knew this was the same Mary, but I'd never connected it to now she recognized how to maximize a moment. She learned about the urgency of don't wait, do it now. And so she felt led by the Spirit to take her box of alabaster and break it and pour it on Jesus' feet. Now we know it was a year's worth of wages. And we know that Judas pushed back and said, what are you doing? This makes no sense. We could have sold this. It's a waste. And we know that Jesus said, it's not waste, Judas. It's worship. She's preparing me. I don't know how she knows it. But she's anointing me for my burial and somehow she knew I've got to take this moment because I don't know how much more time I have with Jesus and so she poured out what she had on the body of Christ because she realized my opportunity is now she learned that when her brother was raised there's power in the moment right now Something inside of her was stirred up that just said, uh, uh, the body of Christ needs me now. The body of Christ needs me here. The body of Christ needs me. And I want to tell you today, the body of Christ needs you. The body of Christ needs you here. The body of Christ needs you now. Not someday. Not down the road. There was something inside of her. It didn't make any sense, maybe. A year's worth of wages. This is my retirement. This is like breaking her 401k over the feet of Jesus. 
She didn't know about the cross. She didn't know about the resurrection. She didn't know about the urgency that he was going to be betrayed by Judas when he dipped the bread into the sop and that he'd be arrested in the garden and carried out by the soldiers and whipped on that whipping post by a cat of nine tails and the crown of thorns and drug up Calvary's mountain, crucified and buried. She did not know any of that. But there was something that rose up in her that it's me. It's here. It's now. So many people make excuses and say, it's not me, Lord. It can be somebody else. It's not here. Let me get somewhere else. No. Or it's not now. Let me get a decade down the road. Let me get some things worked out. But she realized, I have a gift that the body of Christ needs. And I don't want to miss my window of opportunity. So I'm pouring it out on the body of Christ. This is the time. This is the hour. This is the moment. Break open your life. Pour it out. Pour it out. Don't hold back. Jesus said, wherever the gospel is preached, I want it preached what this woman did. Because in 24 hours, she would have missed the moment. If she had just waited 24 hours, she would have missed the moment that became the testimony and the memorial for her entire life. So I just want to say to the church today, don't hold back. Pour it out. Pour your life out as an offering to the Lord, as an offering on the feet of Jesus in the body of Christ. Lord, if I have a gift, I'm breaking it open and I'm pouring it out. Lord, if I have my year, my hour, my life, I'm pouring it out for you as an offering for the body of Christ. Stand with me today. I just want to tell you today, you are called for more. You are made for more. You are called out of the shadow and into his marvelous light. I'm going to open this altar today. I wonder how many would bow their head and close their eyes all over this house. And I just wonder, as every head bowed and every eyes closed, I wonder how many would just raise their hand in this house and say, I believe God's called me to more. I believe God's called me to greater things. I see people raising their hand all over this room. How many believe God's called you to something more than where you're at right now? If that's you, and nobody's looking around, if that's you, I wonder if you just make your way to the altar right now and just lift up your hands and just say, just as I'm praying, I wonder how many would just step out and say, God, you've called me to more. You've called me to greater things. You've called me out of darkness and into marvelous light. And Lord, I believe if you put a calling on me that you'll make a way I believe that you'll strengthen me. I believe that you'll empower me. I believe that you'll equip me. I'll believe that you'll resource me. I'll believe you'll put the right people. I believe you'll put the right things. I believe that you'll provide every need. I see people flooding the altar this morning. I wonder how many would just step out and say, God, I'm stepping out into everything you have for me. I'm stepping out into the light, God. I'm stepping out. I believe it's in the house right now. I believe it's in the house right now. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Once again, thank you so much for listening. Share this message with a friend and don't forget to hit subscribe. See you next time.